So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast and the North Bites back this weekend. An absolute domination by the Northern Hemisphere here as every team um, came back with a vengeance after being one out, one nil down um, in their respective series, except, of course, for France that was already one nil up on Japan. Uh, we also had the second round of the Pacific Rugby Championship as well with Australia A bouncing back against um, Fiji. They took that game 32-18 to 18, um, in what was a much more polished performance there um, to continue their streak of never having lost to Fiji. Um, Samoa took down Tonga to get on top uh, of that ladder for the Pacific Nations Cup, 34-18. Um, and now Fiji and Australia share second with one week win each and one round left to go with Samoa taking on Fiji there. Japan kept it still close against France, 22-15, um, but France closed out that victory just in two rounds. Whereas New Zealand, card fest going on, some controversial ones potentially, some warranted ones definitely. Yako Piper throwing the cheese, throwing the reds out. Um, they take this one 23 to 12, the All Blacks lose to Ireland for the first time in New Zealand. And I think it's the last eight games or so now that it's gone um, alternating victories. One Ireland, then New Zealand, Ireland, then New Zealand. Australia were blown out in the first 20 minutes against this English team in Brisbane. 25 to 17 is how it ended up, but probably the most convincing um, 20 to 30 minutes of football from the Englishmen since they took down the All Blacks in the semi-finals of the World Cup in Japan. South Africa, oh, this gamble did not pay off with their mass changes coming through. Um, just ended up losing by one to Wales, a valiant effort. Um, Dan Bigger led his men from the front here, wasn't there for the end because he has suffered a shoulder injury that may keep him out for the final game of the round. But Gareth Anscombe, former chief, former New Zealand convert to Wales, comes on to kick the final penalty to win this by one in the 79th minute, 13-12. And Argentina gets absolutely blown out by Scotland, 29-6. to uh, A few tries overturned um, for the Pumas here. Um, a few forward pass and a few tumbles over the line, unfortunately. Um, but again, Scotland regained a little bit of momentum here. And Georgia, for the first time, take a win against Italy, 28-19, to to once again push their claims to be included in more Tier 1 championships um in the northern hemisphere as well leo toby do you want to start with the wallabies or do you want to just leave it and, and not talk about it because it was really disappointing after um what we saw in that first round and and yet another slay of injuries that are just ham um just hampering our ability to put the best team on the park here yeah no relief hey like between injuries during the week in training, injuries on the field in the game, 
um, people who are still injured from before these two matches who are not fit and ready to go. Um, we are really, really getting tested with our depth. And uh, I suppose this this week's going to be even harder. They've got more more um, issues with guys with bad. Was it was um, CO a peck or something? And yeah, either peck or shoulder, but yeah, definitely. It was hard to it tell. Was only one about five minutes, and then yeah, yeah. immediately tire knocked out. out. Yep, don't um, get to see him at fifteen. Parise looks like an ACL. Yeah, out yep. again. Horrible. Like and Caden Neville actually, serious knee injury as well. So Lockstocks take another serious blow here. And and looking at those guys, like Neville's been pretty healthy, um, but the other guys, you know, guys like Patea just just cannot seem to get their get their head in the right spot look after their hammies, look after their shoulders. Like there's always something. Um, and like, there's no, like injury prone isn't a thing, right? It's not actually, people aren't really injury prone. They're just very, very unlucky. The way he runs, uh, the way he goes into contact, like he needs to work on that. I think we talked about some of this stuff uh, at the end of last year when he wasn't taken away at the end of the year or originally wasn't picked to go away at the end of the year. We said he should spend some time with a, with like a sports science person who really changes mechanics. And he needs to also go spend time with the tackle coaches because if he ever wants to play fullback, he needs to be putting his head on the right side, making clean tackles as the as Tom Wright did. Once he went to fullback, he was everywhere. He was electric. Um, an unexpected audition from him, but uh, a player who showed to be probably our, our best choice there at the moment, although we may see a bit of Hodge depending on how they feel about leaving right in there for this clutch game. Um, I certainly would. Yeah, he looked pretty good, didn't he? And he's a guy that doesn't ever lack confidence. He's always willing to put it all on the line and he plays a high risk, high reward game. And, you know, at international level, that can be, again, it can be risky, but I think he's good enough to do it at the moment. He's playing at that sort of high level. He has been for two years. Um, I think he's a smart rugby player. And at fullback, you need those kind of smarts like Andrew Kellaway showed that he's got. Tom Banks, I think, was yet to prove himself. And unfortunately, we we may not see him for a number of years now in the Wallabies, if at all. So that jumper needs to be locked down. Um, look, I'd be an advocate for Kellaway, But in the meantime, I think Tom Wright needs to be in the 15. He's been one of the best players, you know, at least in that game. And I think every opportunity he gets, he seems to take. So I'd be backing him to start. I don't want to see Hodgie come in and really take us back to a game that really lacks, I think, a lot of dynamic nature to it. He's just, yeah, he's got a big boot, but I I think not much else in attack. And um, I don't want to see us go back to that. So I think we've really got to risk it to get the reward in this one. And I think Tom Wright's the way to go. Of course, O'Connor did come on and come into a bit of time and fullback, but a few miscues in attack, a few probably unnecessary kicks and kicks that went out on the fall. Can I just, I just want to double check something with you guys because I believe he was kicking for touch when we were sort of on the comeback a little bit in the second half and then we had a ball that went out, but the thing was Danny Kerr was standing out, jumped in the air and hit the ball back in field. As far yeah, as I am aware that that is not the rule. You can jump from outside the field, but you have to catch it and land in for the ball to maintain, to stay in play. You can't just jump from anywhere out in the crowd and just bat it back towards yeah. the field of play. Is that, is that, was that You're just a completely right. wrong call? 
No, yeah, it was, it was, and I mean, to be in hindsight, the Wallabies might have actually benefited from that oversight. But yes, completely out of bounds, like completely in touch, jumps, knocks it in, does not land, doesn't even make any attempt to land back in touch. It's like sorry, back in in the field of play, and it's basically a dead end goal. And for in a well, game I, where I, we I saw the, the TMO a... blow in so many other times, yeah, where were they there? I don't, I don't know because I don't even know if it went dead in goal. Like it would have been sort of line ball, surely. Like hey, it, I, I think it was risky that it was going to be dead in goal. But I don't know what I don't actually know what it means if the guy's already standing out. Um, I guess they, they're judging out. it where it crosses the line, right? They're judging where I, it crosses the line of touch. Because I feel like yeah, because it's where it crosses the plane, right? Yeah. If he's not in in the field at any point, then he can't make it in touching goal um, by by doing what he did. Yeah. And but I, it just looked from from the trajectory, from the cl- from the near angle that we had. Um, my judgment of it was, oh, that that looks like it's gone dead in goal. But it just complete balls up by all the officials to not deal with that. And actually, the commentary team, I don't think, even picked up on it for a while as well. It's really weird. I'm so I was just so confused by that. But I mean, look, I can point to one thing, but the the truth is that England's play, especially in that first 20 minutes, was just outstanding. They were all over us, starting from a couple of minutes in when we had big Ellis Gens just run over Hooper and he saw a bit of a tone set um there where they were just making meters every carry. They had quick, reliable um ball at the rucks. Um and their new young halfback was distributing really well. Um, and um, Marcus Smith was a bit improved in this game, but it was really Owen Farrell that seemed to have stepped up and really take control of this back line again. Well, once again, I don't think they were that bad last week. Some, some, and some analysis out of last week was very critical. Some was making a similar point to me, which was think they actually were okay or even good in short bursts. Um, I think there's more, more of the same. Like they, they did the good stuff more minutes and certainly that first 20 they were dominant um they they had that forward momentum uh as the ascendancy on us and and we barely had significant possession we, we kicked away a lot and the kicking wasn't always that well uh directed it wasn't always hitting the ground it wasn't well chased so and actually for for a night which was about nine degrees or so up in Brisbane, the players were looking really puffed, really sweaty. Like um, they, they actually looked kind of fatigued about 25, 30 minutes in. I was a bit worried about them even then. Yeah, and I was convinced still with that, that the second half we'd make a comeback. I thought that we could do it. You know, we still scored two tries to one in this game. I think when we're on, when we're in there 22 on the front foot, we look very, very dangerous and have a you know, real capacity to score a lot of points. Um, but definitely in the first half, we lost the territory game. We got pinned down in our own half. And, yeah, we just didn't seem to bounce back from that. I mean, injuries aside, I, you know, I think we can still win this third game, but we do need to really be smart with where we're playing our rugby. I think if we try and run it out of our half, as Jordan Patea did it at one stage, I mean, Tom Wright did it, but he did it well really need to pick up battles with that because we do need to control the territory. And the difference with Tom Wright's one was that he he and Noah had identified that he was matched up with a, a tight forward, I think. Um, ran, ran around one of the sub-props, possibly. Um, I think just clearly 
clearly beat him, um, knew, knew he was able to do that. Whereas some of the shifting the ball around even last week and this week in the, in the 22 was getting very hairy and dicey. And we got away with most of it. We didn't classic Wallabies from a few years ago would have thrown an intercept or just completely dropped the ball and let them just scoop through and dive over the line. We didn't do that. Mm. But it certainly diminished the quality of the clearance kicking because we put ourselves under more pressure perhaps than we needed to. And and so we couldn't really get out. And even though we, we did pinch a couple of lineouts, they, they still set a pretty good platform from those turnarounds. And they certainly counterattacked uh, back at us pretty well. Mm. And we saw the change um, in hooker really hurt our lineouts as well. Flower fighting that came out and mucked up two throws, his first two throws there. Um, in an area that we hadn't had an issue with with correcting on the park there. Um, I agree that the steals and line-out defence was quite good. Matt Phillip did seem to be getting up in front of their jumpers um, and got his hands to a couple of balls there. But, yeah, that that really, a few of those sort of moments really just curtailed that sort of feeling that a comeback was on the cards here. So now we look at what changes they're going to do for next week. I mean, we already listed out a few of the injuries that we have with heard now that um, they're bringing back a few, well, from the wilderness, Lucan Salakai Lotto has been pulled into Wallaby's camp rather than bringing anyone from Australia A to help with that sort of diminishing lock stocks. Uh, Mark Nwanganitawasi um, been bringing in as further outside back coverage as well, obviously with Pattaya and um, Parise going to be unavailable for this next week. Um, that They join the likes of, as you said, like, Kellaway and Holloway and Ned Hannigan still injured, um, as well as Sio obviously out. Um, I think Slipper was joking that he's going to have to pull on um, a four or five and play second row this weekend with um, being sort of the cover all that he is in the forwards at points. Um, and it's not escaped the English either. Atoje and Underhill both suffering concussions and going to be out uh, for this next game as well. So Injury is hurting both on both sides, so hardly there. But boys, what are you expecting to see um, what from the Wallabies this week? Yeah, look, I think it's going to be really tough for us. Caden um, Neville, I think, particularly is a big loss with his work rate. The fact he's a big tight headlock there, I think that's the thinking of why Lucan is needed. Playing Frost in the second row with Philip. I don't know if that's going to cut it as a starting combination. Um, need a bit more weight in there. Nick Frost is probably barely 110 kilos. Um, still really getting his body right for the international stage. And although he's got a lot of athleticism, I think Luke Khan, if he's been keeping himself relatively fit with club rugby, I think he can come in and do a job, um, even if it's for, say, only 50 minutes or something. We do need to get some ascendancy in that forward pack and, a big body like that, um, I think, would really help. But, yeah, there's there's going to be quite a few challenges. I think England, again, they will they will still be a force, regardless of losing a Toje. I think Courtney Laws might slip into that second row, perhaps. Um, Lewis Ludlam might come in or something into the back row. Um, interesting to see what they do. But I get the feeling that England hasn't quite fired an attack um, yet either um, in terms of scoring tries through their back line. Um, so I'm a little bit wary of that. I think we've got probably the, the advantage in the backs um, and we might see Iki Tao come back in at 13, even though I think Hunter did a reasonable job. But overall, I think we can score the points once we get into the 22 through the back line. 
we just need to really punch through and and really create that platform. And with a bit of disruption to that type five, could be difficult at scrum time. I think that's going to be one of the big challenges. Yeah, like having the, the front row, I guess you'd like them to be maybe a little bit more solid, but um, probably probably they can stick with Bell and Tupo starting as opposed to trying to push Slipper back to start mm. um, and, and Bell on the bench with hopefully Alatoa coming back. Like that's that gives you that balance of youth and experience and you can kind of blend it as needed, not, not maybe get your scrum off on a on a bad footing, although Paul Williams this weekend. So we've got familiar scrum, uh, familiar officials looking at the scrum. Um, I don't think any of those guys have a poor rep from Super Rugby, so it might be okay to persevere. Um, and, yeah, Hooper would have yeah. had any conversation with Paul Williams, so mm. maybe you can have both both Slipper and Alator on the bench and then you've got the utility of Slipper if something comes up and you get yeah. really hard, hard done by it did feel like Tupo was getting a bit targeted early on um, by this referee. I don't know whether there had been a bit of emphasis put on on that from Eddie Jones or anything at all. Um, I did like the combination of having Tupo and Bell as sort of your props because they're both very good hands with the ball in terms of distributing first phases, sort of taking the hit up or getting the ball out behind them to Noah um, or one of the other sort of outside backs as needed. Um Phillips still that. does heaps of that though. It's weird. Like Matt Phillips always been a, a, a link guy, no matter where he's played. And I mean, I guess it's all right. It just feels like it's probably a bit slow. He doesn't tend to throw a pass to the ground, but but I don't think he has like, very... I don't think he has the deception that like I feel yeah, like I not... trust Bell or Tupo to be like and throw yeah, just like more. the short ball instead of all the one out the back. Philip, it's very telegraphed. You can see if he's holding it in two hands, he's probably going to pass it. If he tucks yeah. it, he's running. Like there's, there's just no deception at all. But I mean, again, it, it's 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 hard. You feel bad picking on guys when they haven't really done anything wrong. But also, this is a game of small margins. Like you need to be that much, that little fraction better or that little fraction more elite to get on top of a team, your opposition that's playing quite well and looks very fluid mm. through their their 10, 12 and, and all the support uh, runners. So um, I think that's something they should they should look at. But the, the second row is, is where we're getting hit the worst. Like and Phillips, the number Darcy's one, still he's definitely going to be there. Yeah, Philip, Philip will have to start. Sounds like and Jed's then, no good, Hannigan no good. So it's your choice between starting Frost or bringing Luke Hunt straight back into the start. Luke, I think Luke Hunt's going to come straight in. Straight back in? It's a big call, but, yeah, I, I don't know what I'm more comfortable with. I'm not, not excited by either. And Luke Hunt's the type of person, though, who can get rattled, who can get targeted. You know, I think they've really got to prep him well because he could easily come in a little bit nervous. Someone well, targets him. Yeah, and does something I feel stupid. like he'd do the same thing as sort of Darcy Swain, right? I feel like Johnny Hill could get I think under, he's worse, his, yeah. under his I think skin he's just worse. as much and they could do something a bit silly. Um, so, but I think you're right. I think you're going to want to have the experience on here and I don't think Frost really showed enough. Um, in his debut, coming on and and doing it's, enough it, to disrupt it, or anything there. It's a bit like a Lachlan Lonigan, like someone that you know in future is going to be really good at that yeah. position. But it's, they're not quite ready, and you don't want to put don't the weight on their shoulders at the start of the game. Confidence. Yeah, I yeah. I get that, but do you, don't you also think like is Lucan going to do anything more than plug a gap for you? Like is is he is he any He's chance to very lift and break a game open? 
but very experienced. If if he can't keep the tempo up and help add to that pack, if he's just making sure it's not weak, he's a pretty would, good. Would you athlete. not rather put Frost in and be like, this guy has the potential. We've seen him in bursts. This is a higher level, but his his like is his is his base going to be that much more of a risk? Like, if he's is his low level play that much more of a risk than a Lucan who kind of just doesn't break it the game just, open almost it, ever anymore? It, it may just come down to what's going to work best at scrum time. I actually, you know, the more I think about it, I think Frost will get a pick. I reckon Frost will start. I reckon they'll go Phillip and Frost. They've got the mix and Lucan comes in a bit cold, but he's on the bench and they can manage it. That's, yeah. that's if you can play another option. Yeah. I mean, if they it's don't not just suddenly think they can but... bear out the game with Leota and try and get both those guys to play 80. Well, you could bring in Harry Wilson. Well, that's it. That's the other option. Try and play Leota, make realize that he can be a bit under, undersized. But yeah, you have Harry Wilson, so you have some big, you still have a fair mm. bit of weight in the scrum. It's It'll be Tricky interesting button. to see. That's Part sort of your two options. I, I, I would back sort of Rennie to maintain a little bit of loyalty to the people he's picked. Um, but I don't think. Yeah, McKellar as well. Yeah, Damn well, I just, I just don't know there. if, I don't know if. Frost was ever picked with the idea that he was going to get um, no. significant game time this year. Like it was just a much more of a development welcoming to the squad sort of year. And then back How about Darcy feeling now? Yeah. Well, Darcy. I think Jed would be just livid that he can't get out there because yeah. this is just this is such a good situation. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Hurts, After hurts. years of waiting. That's it. Uh, it's, it's tough. Um, so we heard that Icky Town may be coming back, um, which I agree, Toby. I reckon he gets slotted straight back in. Um, Karevi uh, probably can keep his 12 spot, I reckon, maybe. Um, <laughs> he might just be the best player in the world, apart from Will Jordan. He's, he's ridiculous. And he started like, he's like, okay, I'm going to do the um, clearance kicking tonight as well. And you're just like, oh, okay, he can just kick the ball like 40 metres um, with accuracy as well. Okay, easy, too easy, Krabby, fine. Um, and then I guess we'll see what happens in terms of our um, back three and we're thinking it'll be Marika on one wing, Tom Wright at the back most likely, and then... Got to be. Suli? Is it Suli time? Peanut butter, Suli time. Roll of dice. I reckon, actually, you know what? Surely not... Yeah. If, if if they choose Vinavalu, they are they going to do that because they have Lenny Kitao or Paisami or like is there is there something in the 13 and the distribution skills that's necessary to put Vinavalu out there? Because you could put him on the wing and if you can't get him the ball, it's not gonna work out well. What well, might I think, just put I think the they defense. start solely and put Hodge on the bench with Jock. I think that's what they'll do. Yeah. Because then but, you have that. Center, that is the center, do you think yeah, it matters who plays 13 to help get the ball to Vinavalu? I just think. No, I don't I think, think Tom Wright does a bit of that. Tom Wright I, I don't in. think Iki Tao is less of a distributor than Paisami, particularly. I think Iki Tao. No, I was going to say maybe he's more. Oh, well, I, guess I think he's just a better attacker. Yeah, I, don't, I think they're both like. They'll both throw a pass. Iki Tao is probably more likely to get an arm free and throw an offload. Um, to someone running off his hip, sort of thing. Mm. Um, but I don't, I don't think about it. I think it's more whether they're happy with um, the lack of sort of kicking options 
um, in the back three if you have Funivalu and Marika. Um, I mean, that's a huge there. like that's a huge play putting Tom Wright in with Funivalu. <laughs> It feels like it could go very, very wrong. Rick has done a little bit of kicking recently. It could, it could of... go spectacularly, though. It could just be. I know. That's the thing. It could be like two tries a piece. They yeah, also dropped Lulisiu back. 40 to 10. A bit as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and to his credit, Noah's playing really well. I actually yeah, think he, he's doing. He hasn't looked really like well. a weak point, has he? No. No. I haven't so been worried about him. Doing. He's been decisive. He's been confident. And yeah, he, he says... made Jock look substandard. So. Yeah. I don't think you go back to Jock now and Quaid's not coming back. Though I think with the bench we have, if we select some, uh, you know, experienced experience guys there that can come on, I, I, I really like the look of our bench on the weekend. It didn't quite pan out like it should have, but I think we really do have an advantage there if we bring in on some of those reserves, like you said, Slipper, Alolotoa, Jake Gordon even, Pete Samu, all these guys are not going to let you down. Yeah, so they're great, the great half, options coming on. Yeah, so I think that could be a real, really good play for us. Even though Reese Hodge is a pretty conservative option, he can cover a number of positions. Um, well, what's so, what's your other option? You don't really have another option, do you? Well, you're not going to start Mark. You're not going to bring Marky Mark into the twenty-three. I don't know why Jock Campbell hasn't been selected. That doesn't seem to make any sense to me, unless he's injured, and I'm I'm not no, aware of that. He got through um, the game on the weekend with that. Like. Dylan Peach arguably arguably has been a better winger this year than yeah, Marky be, Mark. Yeah, Peach, Peach is great. So I think it's a bit harsh on those guys in Australia. And like you talked about with Lucan, I think a few of them might feel pretty dejected, but is what it is. Um, but you're right. There's not many options left. I think we do have enough to win the game, but I think it's going to be a really tough match. Um, I'm, I'm really disappointed we couldn't get it done in Brisbane and, and keep that streak going. So, boys, the All Blacks obviously was just marred by cards here. Again, lots of sort of TMO involvement. Um, Ireland played amazingly well. I don't think that really the cards made a massive difference because Ireland was on the front foot from the very beginning of this game. We saw Mac Hansen come back in and immediately have an impact, looked great. Um, immediately which, got impacted. Stayed yeah. on the field, but. Well, what was, your, what was your read on that? So Lester jumped up for a, um, a charge down and then braces himself and ends up shouldering into Mac um, and takes him out reasonably. It's, it's it, Yeah, it's harsh that it's a yellow, I guess, in, in some sense. It's, it's whether you think he's ever had a real chance. You, you can't endanger a player who's kicking the ball away or whatever, jumping for a charge down, if you're not legitimately a chance of charging it down. So if that was part of the decision, which to be honest, I didn't hear the, the discussion on that one, um, but that's, that, that is the only way I'd see it should get up to a yellow. If, you, if he's coming from the best position he can and trying to challenge that kick and all he does is just, protect his own body without like leaning a shoulder down or sticking an arm or a leg out. It feels harsh that it's a yellow. Well, this was it's, the conversation with Sam Kane asked Yako after the yellow. He's like, well, what's he supposed to do in that situation? Then he just, if he kept his arms up and impacted, be fine. And Yako said, yes, he should have kept his arms up. And I was like, that's, if, if, if that actually happened, contact a little but bit. also if that actually happened and he still hit 
um, hands in the head. head. Like it still would have been probably, the same. Outcome. Probably would have looked even more reckless if yeah, it would have been like yeah, like exactly. So I just thought it was silly, but I, mm. I, I do. I don't think they really looked at whether he was in a realistic position to. Um, stop the ball or not so I think maybe he pulls his arms down quite early which made me think that he knew that he wasn't like as the ball's almost coming past him the ball the arms are already being pulled down that that's just what made me think he probably recognized that he wasn't a chance and he was more prioritizing bracing so he didn't injure himself so that's or you're like all right you know, I'll make this look like a touchdown, but I'm going to hit him as hard well, as I can. Well, that's it. I'm sure that would have been the point. That would go through. It's malicious as well. Went, right? went through early, my head when I was playing rugby. Yeah, 100%. early. Yeah, early in the game as well. You want to get over your opposite number. Mac Hanson, I tell you what, he's he's a bit of a Tom Wright, isn't he? The way he plays, he's like, just got that a little bit of those el- elusiveness, elusiveness yeah. sort of areas. And, I really, yeah. I really enjoy watching him. Yeah, I'm glad Sadly that he's left. having as, as much success as he is overseas. And for the Irish, I think this is just a standout sort of all over the park. Um, I really, I think those Irish back row is really um, underrated because um, they're not big names, but the likes well, of Peter Omani is. Peter Omani, but he's so old, man. I remember. But it, I thought he was done. I thought his career was done. I thought he was, was as well. I thought he retired. He's like he's Alan Jones. He like just yeah. goes out for like a couple he used of weeks to be the and they're captain. like, Armani, we need you back. He's like, okay. Sexton's 37. I mean, there's a few old dogs in there. Yeah, there's quite a few. But, yeah, him and Van der Flea is really good. And Kalen Doris at eight is amazing. Um, so they've got a few. And you put them together with their dynamic second row of Ryan and Taj Byrne as well. Like Ty Byrne was amazing. Yeah. He's everywhere. So they've got a really impressive sort of team. Um, the jokes are already starting that they've peaked one year out of the from the World Cup again, the last um, just like last time. <laughs> um, but like, congrats to them, they displaced the All Blacks out from the top three of the World Cup ranking. So, uh, All Blacks down to fourth for the first time ever. Um, wow. while France obviously get up to number one with a few of those losses above the Springboks and so knock the Springboks down out, and France for the first time ever are number one in the world. Which is congratulations to Low Blue. They they deserve it as well. Um, the Springboks couldn't hide away and not play games for long enough um, to maintain that number one ranking into next year. Um, the other the other cards there was obviously yellow uh, Tonga Farsi pulling holding an Irish player back when they're about to score, um, and then the red card Angus Tauavau. Um, <laughs> that that was just. Like they, that was pretty obviously to... a red, right? I've been talking to people yes, yeah, here and they're like, oh, I was just gone mad with this crazy stuff. I'm like, that's been a red like all year. Yeah, that's right. Last the, year, there was like... some discussion that, like, oh, what's his like his opportunity to react? Well, he had opportunity to go to make a tackle. Like yeah, if, he, if he had opportunity to that's right, to move in it. for a tackle, yeah, he, he couldn't hips, drop his mate. body height or move to the side at all. This there's, there's just gotta be that consistency now. Um, which I think we've had, but people need to understand that it's, it's a red because you've you've just bu- like bundled yourself. They lost ring rows for the game, right? He was out after that. Um, so yeah, no, that's absolutely no question for me. The thing, the one that I want to talk about was the other yellow, the holdback, the one that the one that became a yellow card. You didn't think that should have? Well, so is Sexton never passed the ball, right? No, and, but Sexton and- Sexton breaks down the line. And it looks um, like he's looking for And it looks for that like pass. he has. And I think it was Ringrose again at that point. I think it was the 13. Oh, yeah, or sure maybe it might, been, yeah. it might have been, it might have been, I 
can't remember the name of yeah. the top. Henshaw, sorry. It might have been Henshaw. Don't worry about who it is. Um, but, but he looks like he's about to give the pass, but the, the guy starts And maybe to chooses doesn't. Yeah, maybe chooses not to because his player's already been taken out. Yeah. And the, the the commentary was around, okay, well, if that if he passes that ball and the guy's able, like the guy is able to take it because he's not being tackled, it's a, like there's no cover defence, that should be a try and therefore it should be a penalty try. And they and it wasn't given that way, and I think that's right. But the amount of discussion and, and memes and stuff around about oh this is what the this is what the TMO saw, and they've drawn a little black stick figure there on the try line, like there's a cover defense. If the guy doesn't tackle him early, the guy is still there right behind him, able no, to no, tackle no, him but, once he gets the ball. No, no, but in foul play like that, that player gets removed from the play. It's not like it's not like oh uh, is that what it is? Yeah, he gets removed. That is the. So his actions, say he took that action. So now we consider what would have happened if he hadn't taken that action and he wasn't on the field in that yeah, position. Pretty much. So it's the same as like if you do a like knockdown, um, and you and there was like a line break opportunity. You don't go well. If he didn't knock it down, he probably could have got to the guy and tackled him. You go no. Okay. He's he's taken that opportunity. He's decided he's going to do something illegal. He's out of the play now. Let's imagine what happened if the ball got to him. Right. So that's well, I mean, if, if that's, that's the case, then that makes a bit more sense. Because um, I just thought it was weird that no one had mentioned that this guy, mm-hmm. that the that, that Tomo Farsi is, is right there, able to make the tackle if the ball had been passed. Yeah. I guess maybe because if the pass wasn't made, it's not a it's not a certain try because yeah, we haven't seen what kind of pass. pass that's, that's right. You're assuming the pass is good enough. To, to catch the passes and forward, the pass gets caught. Yeah, exactly. Like that's it's enough a whole lot of uncertainty, where, yeah. which I was happy to go with as well. But it did, yeah, I, I didn't understand that. So thank you for explaining that textbook. That's all right. I remember being confused by that as well until I just heard one ref actually talk through what, what would happen. I think it was probably Angus Gardner because he's good at explaining things. Um, <laughs> does love it. Does love it. So, yeah, so as we said, um, a little bit of issues for Foster here with the All Blacks obviously losing there. Um, didn't make a huge amount of changes other than the enforced ones, even though he did have a few players come back as available. Um, I think you guys called it early in terms of um, saying, oh, we're going to see Will Jordan, Goodhue and Havili next week. Um, is, that still, is that still your, your thinking? The other thing oh, I've seen yeah. written down is Barrett. They want to put Barrett back to six. <laughs> yeah. So, Scott Barrett. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I have to specify yeah. Scotty. <laughs> but you have to say that, you know, it's going to be like a full Crusader shift in, right, with Geordie gone. So, so Geordie gone, you you retain Fainanuku and Sever Reese, and you have Havili, Goodhue, Richie Maunga, Aaron Smith. I reckon God, that's the back line. The, the guy who maybe doesn't get in there, maybe they stick with Quintapaya. Yeah, I, maybe. I, I I think I couldn't argue against Tavili really. It's I don't think it has to be a game breaker. If you bring Rico has not been a game breaker. No, he's like, been, he's been better added. on defense than I thought he, he would sucks. be. He's not. He's not an outside center. It's just he will stop. do what needs to be done. We'll get the ball to Jordan, to Sevu, to Fanganuku, and you'll just just unleash it and can run himself and can put little kicks in. And just yeah. Rico's just not that, he hasn't got that many dimensions. And I think Ireland have just figured that out, just boxed him in and, and maybe he's maybe he's lacking that confidence now. He just doesn't look like he's ever going to break the line. So, yeah, I, I think that's definitely on the cards. 
So bring in the entire Crusaders backline and then maybe bring in the Crusaders coach as well. Um, and then they might have a chance Couldn't to play that's, that's, that's the week after. That's the week after, sorry. <laughs> it's that's... one more week. Yeah. <laughs> maybe Big maybe Robson doesn't want him to bring in all his players because then he it. will struggle. Like, guys, and then you, you all and Scott gets to bring his week. boys in. You all have niggles this week because I want to bring you in as my big change. That's um, right. When I get the job back. Um, so obviously they have to go back to Wellington to try and claim um, this victory, either Island or All Blacks in with this with a chance here. Um, Springboks, I mean, it was bad kicking on both sides of, of the ball. I think the big issue is probably um, captain and fly half Dan Bigger injured in this one with a reasonably significant shoulder injury. He sounded optimistic he might make it back, um, but maybe difficult. So it sounds like they might have to rely on Gareth Hanscombe there um, as their backup sort of 10 um, for the Welsh, who otherwise... Uh, Anscombe used to be, he was the 10 before Bigger secured the spot when Anscombe got badly injured, right? I know it's been a while. Yeah, but... yeah he's gone, just gone back and forth and he has played some 15 for them as well. So yeah. he's by Anscombe's no means... has been good in the past. So by no means, too. yeah. But I just haven't seen him sort of in the same yeah. sort of area. And I think then they were um, potentially saying that the captaincy would probably um, shift to Adam Beard um, in the second row, who's a bit younger and... I think has already been touted as the the next captain following um, the next World Cup. Um, probably once bigger starts to move on at that point as well. Um, but obviously, we talked about Ireland the first time they beat New Zealand in New Zealand. This is the first time the Welsh have beat South Africa in South Africa as well. So lots of records tumbling down this week. And then Scotland get a bit um, of respect back here uh, against his Pumas side. I think more what we expected. Um, with what how good Scotland have been in in recent times that they should be aiming looking for victories here as well, um, but boys we have we have one more week before we get a bit of a break again um, before we get to the the rugby championship and Bledisloe coming up uh, so we ne- we need to think about these games and and enjoy them um, most of all because uh, it's going to be a few weeks and I don't know if I'm ready to to not see. Um, international rugby for a few weeks already. I'll tell you what, I'm ready for us to have a few weeks off and get some recovery done. I think, I think after this game, we may may well need um, a, f- a few weeks of conditioning and and re- uh, rest and recuperation because our guys are looking a bit flogged, a bit tired. Oh, I thought you were talking about us, like the podcast. Oh, to do so when like, I say I our guys, was, I thought it was like the greatest ice squad, baths, ice baths all around. Oh, not ice like, parts. It's icy enough where we are. <laughs> um, so, boys, let's let's do the lines, all right? Um, I will bring up my trusty New Zealand TAB site here um, and we will see what they have in store for us for this weekend. Um, let me just double-check if they do have anything for this, for France and Japan or for our rugby, Pacific rugby nations. First off... For them, it doesn't look like we have lines for it, but Pacific Nations, um, Fiji, Samoa, and Australia, A, Tonga. What are your expectations there? Sorry, before we even talk about that, Maori All Blacks, Ireland are playing on Wednesday again. Oh, so pointless. <laughs> I don't know why they're doing this. No one cares. And they've got some... Ireland aren't going to play anyone relevant. Mac Hansen's on the bench. Oh, my God. Like... Oh, well, the, the Ireland will win then. That's stupid. Yeah. Come on and get a hat trick. 
I understand doing this fixture at the beginning of the tour as like a warm up, but to play it twice and to play it, you know, three days before a deciding game, it's insane. It's New Zealand tactics trying to trying to wear them down. I mean, great, yeah, the Maori. That's you know they should be playing in the Pacific Nations Cup or something. Yeah, well, they should. Why that I isn't mean, happening? They, I mean, they have in the past. <laughs> They're not. Mm. Okay, well, what do you what do you reckon the um, the line is considering how badly the Maori All Blacks smashed Ireland last time? Maori All Blacks by eight and a half. I will say twelve and a half. You're not going to believe it's two and a half. So obviously they think Ireland are going to play their frontline team against the Maoris. Maybe you should bet on the All Blacks. I was going to say you should definitely bet on the All Blacks here. Um, I can't believe that. Um, but Stop the dog. podcast. Stop betting. Just everyone get on that. Um, I only have lines for the All Blacks, um, Ireland, and the Wallabies games. Um, otherwise, um, but do you want to give what you think might happen for Samoa, Fiji? Obviously, Samoa have a chance to um, t- take this championship out. Yeah, I, I think Fiji. I think Fiji will get up. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be another sort of high 20s sort of lines for the, the team. So I'm going to say Fiji do get up in this one. But while they, while they lost to Australia A, I think we were due for a bounce back and we were always favoured to be a strong team. And really it was the, the win that Samoa got over us that was the shock. Yeah, agreed. I think Fiji will be better for that. They'll learn their lesson and they'll come back stronger. They're a very good team. And they weren't at their best on the weekend. So mm. I think big bounce back performance. Fair enough. And Australia A, Tonga, be interesting to see if Tonga does bring back um, a few of their big names into this team. Um, obviously, they released that that squad and they a few of them had um, a bit of a, a run in that first game versus Fiji, but I don't think they had a huge amount of game time. Surely they'd want to put some of these big names back out on the park this weekend as well. But you've got to, you've got to give the um, preference to Australia A, I think, against this Tongan team as well. I agree. I think Australia A are hitting their straps and had some, you know, there's some cohesion forming them there between players. Um, Ryan Lonigan looking good. I think Ben Donaldson coming in was a masterstroke. Yeah. And, um, yeah, some pretty impressive young players. So I think that'll really do wonders for their confidence and also hopefully gives them an opportunity to shine for future Wallaby selection. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is they've, they've got a lot to play for if they get selected in the 23 this weekend. They definitely want to be doing everything they can, put their foot, front foot forward, potentially work their way into a slightly larger Wallabies squad and cover uh, some of these injuries and, and mm. be the depth. This that's is their it. chance. You never know what's what's going to happen in this current sort of climate with this. Um, so what's your margin for New Zealand Ireland down in Wellington on Saturday night? New Zealand ring the changes uh, and it's and it's a hard fought game, but they certainly don't struggle like they did uh, last game. I think it's close. I'm going to say six and a half to New Zealand. Yeah, it has to be close. Um <clears throat> Ooh, I'll say three and a half New Zealand. Um, I think they'll win well this game. I think they'll they'll come back and they'll win by more than ten. The um, bookies have it at eight and a half. 
for this one. So they are predicting a, a strong um, answer from the All Blacks this weekend. What about the Wallabies England down in Sydney? Sydney Cricket Ground, not the best atmosphere to Horrible. have the close out of the set. Um, Oval Park obviously makes it slightly more difficult for some of the um, kickers and um, goal kicking as well. Um, may make it more of an issue, less of an atmosphere, potentially helping um, give the English a little bit of a boost into this one. I think we're definitely, um, um, we're definitely being um, seen as, as struggling now. What the, the, the money last week was $1.23 on the Wallabies, the same, wasn't it? it was quite... uh, I think it was $1.60 something. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. It's still pretty decent as a favourite. Like, yeah. You know, given up last six years against England, um, surely we're still favoured here. Hard to pick the margin. I actually don't know who I think is going to win. <laughs> I'm a bit confused with it all. I think we're just up against it because of the the injuries, right? And that the we're not going to build those consistent combinations because we've made so many changes. Um, that most consistent combination will be Nick White and Lolisiu, thankfully being a Brumbies combo. So, or maybe the back row, I guess. Um, well, I guess oh. if you. Sorry, if, if you think about it, the disruption really only lies at fullback and on one wing and in the second row. The rest front of it row. were pretty solid. I mean, no, the front row, though, we'll have Bell, we'll have Parecki, and we'll have Tupo. So it's, it's only not... the second game. Well, we haven't had two games know, in a row yet with that same combination. But I'm not worried about kind of cohesion between Tupo and the other two front rows that have started both games. I think second row is a big issue. I think everything else we can cover, but I'm worried that the English forwards could get some ascendancy and, and dominate us. They have some really smart and big footballers up front. Um, I'm going to tip the Wallabies. Margin-wise, I'll say Wallabies by, yeah, I'd probably say two and a half. Yeah, I'm going to say three and a half. I think it's right, right up close. Not knowing the teams at this stage, I think it's going to be a real tight battle. Yeah, the, the boogies have got it even closer at one and a half for Wallabies favourites there. Um, so almost a push there. I agree with you guys. It's definitely got a, lots of question marks about it. Look, I don't have the odds out for the Springboks Welsh or the Puma Scotland, but tips there, guys, to the home teams bounce back again. Um, or do we see uh, the foreigners, the Northern Hemisphere, um, continue to show some ascendancy? Uh, the, the Springboks, like a lot of those choices last week were not injury-forced, right? I can I can get you guys to guess because I've got them here. Okay. If you oh. like. Oh. Yeah. So start off with South Africa, Wales, Leo. I, I think South Africa thoughts? will ring changes like the All Blacks. Yeah. I think they'll find a more familiar combination. Yeah. Wales have been good, but I think if, if South Africa click, then there are, you know, five and a half point favourite. Yeah, I, I, I agree that they'll probably bring back in a very similar team to their first test, um, minus Elton Yankees. Um, and I'd say that they'll have Springboks at um, eight and a half point favourites. So, look, this is Sportsbet in Australia, or sportsbet.com.au. Um, South Africa favoured by 12 and a half. 12 and a half. And I would have to say that... Yeah, if they go back to their full strength first choice team, I think they'll that team still didn't play that well. Statement. 
They only yeah, won on the buzzer. I in the first would round. take Wales plus 12 and a half. Yeah, I feel like I that's think I would a. Too. That's yeah, I think South Africa will win, but yeah, I would. But take yeah, I would. I would take that start. Twelve and a half point. Yeah, yeah. It's, it. it's a little. That's a little much, maybe. Yeah. Um, and have you, have you got the Scotland? Yeah, you've got that as well. I would have to. Well. I would have to say that I reckon they'll be still giving a fair bit of a home field advantage to the Pumas to bounce back, and I reckon, but I reckon they'd be close. I'm say two and a half for the Pumas to win. Is Matera playing in these games? He has not been. Um, he is supposed to be coming back from injury. There was something about Checker trying to give an update on him um, last right. week, and I have to say that I did not um, bother reading it. I'd love to know if he's in, but um, I, I'll, I'll go the opposite. I'll give um, one and a half points to Scotland favourites. So Archie gets that one right on the nose there. Argentina, two and a half point favourites. And yeah, I think at home that's probably justified. It's good that these series have been squared up so that these third games they all matter. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a really exciting weekend of rugby, but hard to pick games in Argentina. I mean, Scotland's a decent team, but we know they're missing some guys. So, you know, anything could happen, I think, in that one. Yeah, absolutely. That's a bit of a coin toss. Um, Let's leave it there, boys. Uh, make sure you reach out to us on social media if you have anything else that you want us to um, cover or any um, new games to play. We're on Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast or on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod. And make sure you're liking and subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. Let's get up. Let's go, the Wallabies. Come on, close out the English. Send Eddie Jones home with a bit of a tantrum. Um, that's this Saturday. Let's keep on running. Run.